Hey folks, welcome to the Baseball Rewind. We bring you baseball facts, stories, and sprinkle in game highlights and interviews about the highlighted player. On January 27, 1927, citing accuser Dutch Leonard's refusal to appear at the hearings on January 5th, Commissioner Kenneshaw Mountain Landis issues a lengthy decision clearing Ty Cobb and Tris Speaker of any game-fixing charges. Landis orders the Philadelphia Athletics to reinstate Cobb and the Washington Senators to restore Speaker. Both are then made free agents, and Philadelphia owner Connie Mack will sign Cobb on February 8th, and Speaker will sign with Washington on January 31st for a reported $35,000. Now, there is a lot more to this story, and what I'm going to do is we're going to rewind back to Larry Ritter, Glory of Our Times, interviewing Smokey Joe Wood, and he talks about this specific event because he was smack dab in the middle of it. And before we go to Smokey Joe Wood, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Folks, before we jump into today's highlights, I just have to ask you, do you want to put 50 years of baseball history in your pocket? I know what you're thinking, it's not going to fit, but it really will because it's all in audio format. These are lost pieces of baseball history told to you from baseball cathedrals. They're they're told to you by icons of the game from Red Barber, Ernie Howell, to Harry Carey. I get goosebumps personally listening to these games and even thinking about the interviews and what these players are going to share with me. I know what you're thinking. Is this AI? Are there bots? Is there some magic potion here that are making these things appear? And I'm telling you, they're not. These games are real. They were done by real people at that specific moment in time. All the iconic moments, the interviews, none of it's reproduced, none of it's AI. It's all real, but done again by real people. If you want to check them out, uh, there's a free intro offer. Jump on over to VintageBaseballReflections.com. And there's over 2,500 audio clips and games for you to put in your pocket, take on walks with you, hang around the fireplace and listen, put them on the porch, invite some friends over. However you want to listen, you're going to be able to listen in these amazing moments in baseball history. Use this coupon this day for a special gift at the checkout. The other book I read was a biography by uh, Ty Cobb. And at the end of the book, he has a whole section that was all news to me on some mess up with him, you, and Tris Speaker, and Dutch Leonard. And would you tell me what that was all about? I will. I'm not going to tell you details because I wouldn't tell you too much about this thing. It's, it, it stinks. When Dutch Leonard got through in Detroit, Cobb was the manager. And for that reason, he had a gripe against Cobb. And then he wanted a speaker to take him on over in uh, Cleveland. The spoke wouldn't take him on. And for that reason, he got sore at both of them. Well, in 20, there was a dispute over some betting. In order to get even, Leonard claimed that this and that and so on. And there was a bet placed on the ball game, But it was not against our club. It was on our club. I was the guy that bet the dough. I, I, just, I had charge of the money. Well, I handled this through a gate tender in Detroit who contacted the bookies. And uh, their money was bet, the money was collected, and this little son of a gun come down, we knew him very well, this gate tender in Detroit, and brought this money down to the train as we were leaving Detroit. 
and I gave him, after keeping equal splits for three fellas, I gave him the extra money, which amounted to about 30 or 40 bucks, for placing the bet. And this was just the same as betting on a prize fight or anything else. So we'd bet on ourselves. There was nothing crooked about it on our part. How often did teams bet on themselves? Never. Okay. Never. That's the only debate I ever made in my life, and that is because somebody else wanted to bet it and I handled the money. But this thing in 20 wasn't exactly on the up and up, I've got to admit that. Because I knew from what Psychot had told me in Cleveland that the Oyster House didn't dare win. But I did know through a couple other fellows on the Detroit ball club that they weren't going to play their heads off to beat us. That wasn't they're going to say we're going to lay down and give you the game, they didn't. Yeah. That wasn't said. Well, anyhow, I knew that the White House didn't dare win that year. And this got back to Landis, and he had a letter that I had written. And uh, Landis called me over to New York and said, you write that letter? And I said, I sure did. There was my name on it. And Leonard had blackmailed Navin in Detroit for so much for that letter, and he still kept copies of it. And then he went ahead and tried to blackmail. I don't know how the hell he tried to get some more money out of somebody out of that by going after Cobb and, and spilling this whole story, which was true. I was at the World Series with Landis down in New York, and he says, this is Landis. I know Judge Landis very well. The judge says, are you going to have any trouble over this thing, Joe? And I says, I don't think so. He says, you let me know if you do. And I says, I'll make a trip up to New Haven. That was a letter you wrote. Yeah. Leonard, there he kept this letter that I had written him. After I got home here one winter, I wrote him out in Fresno a letter. Same as I'd write to my brother. I trusted him, and I wrote him this letter, and he kept it and cashed in on it. I understand he got twelve or $15,000 the first from Navin in Detroit. Then they cost it for a while, and then he come out with it again. But he kept the letter all the time. The letter had that much dynamite in it. Yeah. The letter quoted the, the amount of money it was bet, and his share was enclosed in the letter. I loaned that son of a bitch $200 to buy his first motorcycle in Boston when he first joined us. And he made the crack that he didn't mind what he was doing to Cobb and Speaker, but he hated Hurt Woody. But nevertheless, he did it. That dirty little son of a bitch of a Leonard. He died a millionaire, but he died young. And a great little pitcher, too. But he was a first-class crook. How did Speaker and Cobb get involved in it? Cobb and Speaker put up some of this money to make the bet. And uh, Leonard broadcast this thing because Cobb let him go and Speaker wouldn't take him on. Is it for that reason that both Cobb and Speaker left their jobs at Cleveland and Detroit? Yeah, yeah. But they didn't get out of baseball. They went to the athletics. I'd like to see what Cobb had to say about it because I'll I don't believe book. Cobb would tell the real dog. They got together with an attorney in Detroit. My greatest friend spoke Cobb. And they got a bunch of stuff written up and typewritten and then deposited in a vault in a bank in Cleveland. And if they would have chased Cobb and speakered out of baseball, this would have all come out. Cobb has a whole chapter on it. He doesn't hide it at all. Well, he didn't hide something, but he didn't tell it as it was. I'll bet you a million bucks. I don't believe Cobb could afford that to tell a story. As I know the story yeah. to be true. I have never told that to a soul in my life. I haven't even told it to my brother. Well, I didn't tell you anything that wasn't straight and on the level, I'll tell you that. That's one reason why this thing did really hurt me, because that's the first and only accusation in my life that I ever had against me. I know it. Mm -hmm.